Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 26th day of September. I'm Paul White. Recently, I sat down with my friends in Chapin, South Carolina, just a circle of people in a room, answering questions, talking about Jesus, enjoying one another's company. I had a word to share, so I had my lapel mic and I turned it on. However, I'd never opened my Bible. We just started talking and some really wonderful things came out of the encounter. We sat and talked for, I think, almost two hours. And over that two hours, I had several little snippets of things that I talked about that I thought would make for some fun podcasts right here at the end of September. For the next three days, what is 26, 27, 20, for the next four days uh, at least, we're going to share with you some of those thoughts. All I'll do each day is introduce what the thought was trying to cover, and then we'll just play it for you. And uh, I, I hope that they bless you as much as the encounter blessed me. Today, this little clip is loving like Jesus. It's, it's how Jesus loved the world around him, but it's in response to someone bringing up the sermon that we had posted that very day. And that sermon was called, They Thought Jesus Had a Demon. If you haven't watched that or listened to it, I'd highly recommend it. Out of that came me talking about Jesus and how he loved his neighbor. And it ends up with me declaring that maybe, at least according to my thought process, we would probably think he had a demon as well. Uh, I would title this segment, Love Like Jesus. I hope you enjoy it. That's right. It's, it's the most powerful response. In the world, and it's the most unconventional. Yes. When you look at it through the through the through the Jesus style, because the Jesus style of love is not to love the lovable. It's not to love as a reciprocation of love. You loved me, I'll love you back. You treated me well, I'll treat you well. The Jesus style was to go as far the other way as you could, intentionally find the person that no one else loved. Uh, spend time with them, love them in spite of themselves, love them in the middle of their sin. And when the New Testament talks about fulfilling the law, I think in grace circles we've, we've embraced the idea that the fulfillment of the law is Jesus lived sinless and then he died sinless and therefore because he died sinless, he was dying for us sinners. And so the cross then becomes the sacrificial symbol of perfection dying on behalf of imperfection. And we have no problem with that gospel message because A, we believe Jesus was sinless and B, we know we're sinners. And so therefore the cross becomes this exchange of the perfect for the imperfect. Um, and then that makes us, gives us sort of a soft landing spot for the fulfillment of righteousness. And so we can say, well, I don't have to fulfill righteousness because Jesus fulfilled righteousness. And you're right if your definition is righteousness is living perfect and therefore Jesus was perfect and he died on the cross. You go, well, he fulfilled righteousness. The problem is Jesus and Paul and the other New Testament writers come from a Jewish background and the fulfillment of the law did not mean live perfect. The fulfillment of the law meant 
exactly what the lawyer asked Jesus one time. Hey, what's the greatest commandments in the law? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, if you do these two, on them hang the law and the prophets. They are, I always think of them as the hooks upon which the law and the prophets hang. When, when Jesus then describes that, he then goes out and does it. He loves the unlovable. He does what his father tells him to do and he loves people. When Paul picks that up in Romans 9 and he says the fulfillment of the law is to love your neighbor. I say all of that for this cause. It's easy for us to say Jesus fulfilled the law so I don't have to. But it's not theologically the right thing to say. What we ought to say is Jesus fulfilled the law so that I could continue fulfilling that law to love because the law that he fulfilled was the law to love to continue to love and and I that's a big roundabout way of getting to this thought is that the thing that bugs me and and puzzles me as a lifelong church goer and follower of Christ is how much of my Christianity is about Paul White So much of my Christianity is about cleaning me up, getting God to bless me, someday get to go to heaven, and then in a broad theological sense, getting out of here, getting raptured, going over into the glory land, all the sort of spiritual things. But it's all about getting away from where I am to get to this other place that I could go. And what bothers me now in middle age is how much of my Christianity has not been about loving my neighbor. Not loving the neighbor that loved me first, but loving the neighbor that can never love me back. And loving the one that doesn't even think they're my neighbor. They're my enemy and they know it and they're actively trying to stop me. And only in that can I start to look like Jesus. Because that's how my Jesus loved, and it's how he responded. And it it just, it makes me want to explore the idea of loving my neighbor um, as the definition of my righteousness. Because if I ask the average person, and I'm talking grace communities of people, what is, what is it? What's the righteousness of God? We would probably say, well, Christ was made sin so I could be made righteous. I put faith in Christ, therefore I'm righteous. Well, what does that mean? And they would say, well, I'm right before God. And I don't think that's the wrong answer, but what, okay, now what good's that gonna do you? And I, I think the whole point is that this, this whole experience is, is, to shed, is to spread the love of God outward, not a private Christianity. And Jesus comes along and, and, and in that message we're talking about and begins to proclaim himself to be the door. Everything else before me has been a thief. That's pretty stark because everything before him was Moses and the prophets. Yeah. And Jesus puts himself there as that, that door, that entrance in. Um. He was dealing with a religious establishment that thought religion was an end within itself. That the whole point of this was to be more moral, 
more holy. And when, he, when, when, that, when the rules of that game changed, Jesus was an outsider. Now he's a crazy man. That's, that's, that's demonic talk. And I, I don't think... I don't want to put any words in anyone's mouth about that message, but the thing that I couldn't say up preaching it that I really feel as I'm just sitting in this circle talking to you, we would still think Jesus is demon-possessed because we've turned the whole experience of Christianity into a means by which we can determine who's moral, who's right, who's wrong, and Jesus would look at all of us and say, you're all thieves and robbers. And we would go, that's demonic. Thanks for listening to this little segment from our sit down with Chapin, South Carolina. We'll do a few more of these over the next few days, and I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.